Thank you for streaming Cities After, a radical exploration into the capitalist contradictions of our urban world and the many anti-capitalist futures to come. This is a Politics in Motion broadcast, and I'm your host, Miguel Robles Duran. This episode is part one of two, where I will discuss a growing trust in left-leaning urban activism towards municipalist principles. As its name implies, Municipalism is a political ideology that promotes the reconfiguring of the local level of government, or better said, the municipality, and take this as the site for political organization and decision-making. It advocates for political power to be held solely by ordinary citizens who are municipally organized and globally connected through confederations. Despite significant planetary challenges and ideological controversies across the left political spectrum, I am convinced that variations of municipalist politics are a crucial goal for building an anti-capitalist future. So let's delve into this topic. use part one to provide a basic background on the debates surrounding municipalist conceptions within the left. These debates have a rich historical context, as they have been closely intertwined with the ideological clashes between anarchism, socialism, communism, and various other political ideologies in between. Exploring these debates in part one will help shed light on the diverse perspectives and ideas that have shaped the discourse on municipalism within the left, and of course, prepare us for the more contemporary perspective that I will develop for part two in the next episode. As some of you could predict, many of the ideological clashes that underpin municipalism have their origins in Karl Marx's strong and incisive critiques of anarchism that specifically targeted figures like Mikhail Bakunin, which was the leading anarchist revolutionary of the 19th century, and Pierre-Joseph Proudhon, who is considered by many the father of anarchism. Marx's arguments against these anarchists mainly emphasized four, four things, um, and these were the necessities of a centralized authority, the importance of a transitional period, the need to address the class struggle, and the relevance of strategizing the revolution to come. So let me briefly explain what Marx meant with these critiques. Firstly, anarchism sets itself against a centralized authority, which is commonly referred to as a state. And Marx believed that without a centralized authority, 
there would be a lack of coordination and organization amongst the working class. He argued that in order to successfully overthrow the existing capitalist system and transition to socialism, a strong and centralized authority was necessary. This authority would guide the revolutionary process, plan the economic and social changes, and prevent the reemergence of exploitative systems. Ultimately, Marx saw the authority of the state as a means to ensure that the interests and needs of the working class were effectively represented and protected during the transition period towards communism. This brings me into the second point, the transitional period. Marx's emphasis on the importance of a transitional period between capitalism and socialism stemmed from his belief that a complete and immediate transition from one system to another was simply not feasible. He recognized that existing or the existing capitalist state apparatus had to be dismantled and replaced with a new socialist state that would serve as the foundation for a classless society. This transitional phase was seen as a necessary thing to address the power structures and inequalities that are inherent in capitalism. Anarchism, according to Marx, neglected the need for this transitional phase. Marx criticized anarchists for advocating for the immediate abolition of the state and the establishment of a decentralized authority without a clear plan for the reorganization of society and the redistribution of its resources. He argued that without a transitional period, the existing power structures would persist and the capitalist class would continue to dominate and exploit the working class. Which brings me to the third point, class struggle. Marx's critique of anarchism centered around its perceived failure to address the fundamental issue of class struggle within capitalist societies. While anarchists advocated for the abolition of the state, Marx argued that this alone would not be sufficient to eliminate the economic forces that drive exploitation. According to Marx, the state was not merely a neutral entity, but rather a tool wielded by the ruling class to maintain their dominance and protect their economic interests. Therefore, Marx believed that a revolutionary state controlled by the working class was absolutely necessary to effectively challenge and overthrow capitalism. This transitional state, in his view, would serve as a means to dismantle the existing capitalist structure and redistribute resources in a more equitable manner. Of course, by taking control of the state apparatus, the working class could exert its power and implement its policies that would address the class struggle and lay the foundations for a socialist society. Another crucial critique that Marx had of anarchism was its approach towards revolution or to revolution, particularly its lack of emphasis on any form of revolutionary strategy. Marx argued that anarchism's emphasis on immediate and violent revolution 
overlooked the importance of careful planning and organization. In many ways, Marx saw the need for a vanguard or a leading group of the working class that would or could guide the revolution and ensure its success. He believed that this vanguard would possess the necessary knowledge and strategic thinking to navigate the complexities of overthrowing capitalism and establishing socialism. In contrast, anarchism tended to reject hierarchical structures and centralized leadership and favored a decentralized and spontaneous approach to, to revolution. According to Marx, this rejection of centralized leadership and organization would hinder any attempt towards revolution. Now, these four critiques are undoubtedly the most known of the century-old anarchist versus communist debates. And I'm sure many of you have already gone through them. However, there is one particular Marx critique of Proudhon's writing that is not so commonly discussed and that directly addresses one key ideological foundation of contemporary municipalist thought. And I think it deserves further elaboration and exploration as we get more into the topic. And of course, this all relates to Proudhon's conception of mutualism. Proudhon's concept of mutualism aimed to create a society that was free from both state intervention and capitalist exploitation. He argued that organizing society based on principles of mutual aid and solidarity would lead to a more just and egalitarian social order. To realize this vision, Proudhon advocated for a system of decentralized worker-owned cooperatives. In this system, individuals would participate in the voluntary or voluntary associations where they would collectively control the means of production and distribution. The exchange of goods and services within these cooperatives would be based on the principle of equal value, something he argued would ensure fairness and eliminate exploitation. Thinking about it, a lot of what Proudhon said about mutualism in the 19th century has become somehow mainstream as the goal in many of today's progressive circles. Don't you think? I mean, the idea of establishing worker-owned cooperatives has been undoubtedly trending across the globe as an alternative to the exploitative forms of organization that capitalism prefers. And around me, I hear all the time activists talking about all kinds of solidarities and mutual aid circles. In principle, it all sounds great. So why was Marx so critical of this? His critique of Proudhon and mutualism centered on two main points. Firstly, Marx argued that mutualism failed to fully acknowledge the systemic exploitation that is inherent in capitalism. According to Marx, the root cause of exploitation lies in the capitalist mode of production and its social formation, and not in the many possible variations 
of workers' organization. That exists within a system that prioritizes the private ownership of the means of production, which is capitalism. And secondly, stemming from this first critique, mutualist or worker-owned enterprises were forms of private ownership that still operated within the framework of capitalism and thus only created an illusion of self-determination and liberation that will always be at the service of capital. And this since it never challenged its structural foundations. In this line of thought, Marx always emphasized the pursuit of the collective ownership of the means of production against all forms of private ownership. Mutualism for him was a very narrow-sided idea that emphasized the private. To this end, this reminds me of Rosa Luxemburg's critique in her famous book, Reform or Revolution, where she asserted that workers' cooperatives, although capable of cultivating mutual aid and solidarity within their internal workings, are inevitably subjected to the dominance of capital. And consequently, outside of their limited cooperative structures, they will always be compelled to conform to the coercive capitalist practices through competition, alienation, exploitation, and expropriation, thus becoming already capitalist from its inception or from their inception. Rosa Luxemburg, influenced, influenced by Marx, strongly criticized all mutualist variations as inconsequential distractions that only serve to pacify revolutionary potentials. And of course, she's not the only one that has followed these more radical lines of thought from Marx, even though Marx never developed this hard posture. Since then, there has been an almost endless ideological debate between reformists and revolutionaries about where to direct the energy of social movements. And it is perhaps one of the main reasons that the contemporary left is so fragmented. Personally, I have experienced in many occasions the detrimental consequences of this ideological division within social movements. And I must say, it's very frustrating. One side arguing that some are not true revolutionaries and the other side claiming that some are unrealistic orthodox ideologues living in a fantasy world without ground. I think all of you listening to this stream might have been involved in a similar polarizing situation at least once. These inherent fragments of the left have made it very difficult to discuss certain visionary concepts that have deep roots in either revolutionary anarchism or revolutionary communism without fervently being attacked by the other camp. Well, municipalism is one of those concepts. And this is why I am taking care of discussing the origins of its controversies. For full disclosure, my position on this concept sides with Marx, but not so much through what it seems to be a hard critique, and personally I don't think it's that hard, but more through his theoretical foundations in dialectical thinking 
his dialectical understanding of history and his dialectical awareness of his contemporary condition and future visions. And as you might know, dialectics is the absolute opposite of binary thinking and all its conservative derivatives. To my view, most of the heated ideological positions that I have so far discussed, unfortunately fall into unproductive binary arguments and positivist assumptions that inevitably end up fragmenting more what should be united for the ultimate common cause of abolishing capitalist dominance. Marx's dialectical analysis reveals that his critiques serve as both microscopic and telescopic lenses to examine and comprehend the contradictions arising from capital's relentless pursuit of surplus accumulation. Undoubtedly, Proudhon's mutualism with its reductive scope contained incisive visions, but at the same time, it had numerous contradictions that Marx found deeply problematic. But in reality, Marx was most concerned with exposing the narrow-minded belief that mutualism or any of Proudhon's propositions could be promoted as the ultimate solution, rather than the ideas themselves. In short, Marx was never against the formation of worker solidarities or cooperatives. He was against the belief that them alone would have a revolutionary potential against capital and through his critiques was attempting to shed light on their limitations, but emphasized his belief that they could also be seen as embryonic forms of a new mode of production. In volume one of Capital, Marx wrote the following. The cooperative factories of the laborers themselves represent within the old form the first sprouts of the new, although they naturally reproduce and must reproduce everywhere in their actual organization all the shortcomings of the prevailing system. I also found a similar quote in volume three of Capital. I open quote, the cooperative factories of the workers themselves are within the old form, the first examples of the emergence of a new mode of production. And I end quotes. These quotes suggest that he understood the importance that mutualist organization could play within a much more complex process of class struggle towards communism. For him, workers through mutualist associations were experimenting with what could be protovisions of non-capitalist social formations. And it is within this theoretical framework that I firmly believe that municipalist principles have the potential to explore what could be non-capitalist socio-spatial organization through the production of experimental protovisions of urban solidarities. But let me be very clear. By no means one should see municipalism as the ultimate anti-capitalist ideological direction to take 
when discussing cities and urbanization. I mention this because a reductive and deterministic viewpoint, similar to the one Proudhon had about mutualism, is a common blunder that many municipalism advocates have and reproduce. Okay, I hope this short overview of the theoretical arguments that underpin the concept of municipalism provided some basic contextual understandings that will be helpful as I begin to talk about the concept itself. And if not, please ask me questions in the YouTube comments section. Now I feel more comfortable diving into what exactly municipalism proposes. So first off, the concept of municipalism is derived from some of the mutualist and cooperative anarchist theories that I just discussed. It is not a Marxist concept, although I think it certainly was influenced by him. The term was first introduced by the famed American anarcho-environmentalist Murray Bookchin. In his 1987 book, The Rise of Urbanization and the Decline of Citizenship. It is in this book where he laid out some of the key principles emphasizing at its foundation what he called grassroots democracy. This is where decision-making power rests in the hands of local communities. And in this respect, Bookchin believed that genuine democracy can only be attained when all members of society actively participate and have a direct say in the decisions that profoundly affect or impact their lives. For achieving this, Bookchin promoted the establishment of neighborhood assemblies and popular councils. And these are systems of governance where all people could assertively engage in decision-making processes. Another important principle that he wrote about is that municipalism must resolutely promote community empowerment. His vision was to fortify local communities by fostering active involvement in public affairs and cultivating a resolute sense of collective responsibility. From this perspective, Bookchin argued that a well-organized, self-governing community were absolutely or is absolutely vital for effectively addressing the social and environmental problems that we face. It is also important to mention that Bookchin's municipalism is firmly rooted in his own anarchist philosophy, which he called social ecology, and predates municipalism by about 16 years. Or to be more precise, he introduced the philosophy of social ecology in his 1971 book titled Post-Scarcity Anarchism. And by the way, his work on social ecology is what he was most famous for. And he wrote extensively on the topic until his death in 2006. Social ecology emphasized the importance of ecological principles in creating a more sustainable and just society and heavily advocated for the integration of human and non-human communities together with the progressive decentralization of power and decision-making. In developing the concept of municipalism, Bookchin's philosophy of social ecology was central. 
In it, he recognized the interdependence of human beings and the natural environment. And the forging of harmonious relationships between society and the natural world. He also argued that in order to achieve this balance, it was necessary to have a decentralized confederal political structure that was based on voluntary cooperation between municipalities, not states. And he said that this was the most effective means to actualize the principles of social ecology. Now, with this original definition out of the way, let me connect Bookchin to Proudhon. As I mentioned before, Proudhon defined mutualism as a system of economic organization that was based on voluntary cooperation and equitable exchange, where individuals and groups would freely associate and interact without exploitation or hierarchy. In this light, uh, Bookchin defined municipalism as a system of social spatial organization based on voluntary cooperation and equitable exchange where municipalities would freely associate and interact without exploitation or hierarchy. On the whole, I argue that what Bookchin did was to scale Proudhon's mutualism to address larger social, territorial, and ecological questions. Subsequently, all the critiques that Marx had of Proudhon's mutualism can be almost directly applied to Bookchin's municipalism. And let me attempt to elaborate some of these critiques. One could argue that municipalism has a limited scope for systemic change. This is because municipalities operate within the framework of capitalism and rely on its markets for their survival. This means that if worked out correctly, municipalism could only bring about limited social improvements, but would not fundamentally challenge the capitalist power dynamics. This indicates that by just focusing on the municipal unit of governance, municipalism would not be able to address critical planetary complexities, such as broad ecological destruction through the appropriation and expropriation of resources, and of course, the concentration of wealth and resources in the hands of few capitalists. Simply put, Municipalism provides an insufficient emphasis on planetary action since it prioritizes the interests of municipalities and their enterprise-level solutions, and thus potentially neglecting the importance of broader solidarities at many different scales. Another important Marxist critique that we could also apply is the risk of co-optation by the capitalist system and the potential for municipalist federations to reinforce capitalist competition, which in their pursuit of successful cooperation, they may inadvertently reinforce capitalist competition rather than challenging it. And of course, leading to the reproduction of capitalist dynamic within their own structure. Now, let me stop here with the critiques because I hope you are beginning to get the point I want to make. I can still think of many other Marxist critiques that I could apply to municipalism. 
And although these are important and necessary because they allow us to understand the complexities, limitations, and contradictions of this visionary concept, they also become unproductive and counterproductive to the development of the anti-capitalist imagination that we urgently need as we struggle for the immediate survival of our species and so many others. Because we all know that capitalism's logical conclusion is death itself. So, like Marx said of workers' cooperatives, I am convinced that municipalist structures also exist within the old capitalist form. But like workers' cooperatives, municipalism is slowly demonstrating the emergence of a new mode of production, which encourages us to envision the anti-capitalist ideals we should strive for. On this point, Frederick Engels said the following, and I open quote, imagination is not only the uniquely human capacity to envision that which is not, and therefore the fount of all invention and innovation. In its arguably most transformative and revelatory capacity, it is the power, too, that enables us to empathize with humans whose experiences we have never shared. And I end quote. In the next episode, I will further develop the concept of municipalism by going over contemporary examples of its application, including some projects that I have worked on. I will do this while also attempting to update municipalism beyond Bookchin and argue for its theoretical potential in the 21st century. I'm really curious of what you thought of this episode and if you have other viewpoints on municipalism and any other sort of relative directions. And if you found something confusing uh, about this, please ask in the YouTube comment section. If you like what I'm doing in this channel and what we're doing in Politics in Motion, please support us by giving us a simple like. And if you can, consider donating to our Patreon account. We have some very exciting announcements to come soon. Thank you again for streaming and until next time.